Welcome to Keep IT Healthy Podcast, a show hosted by people making things happen in technology, aiming to optimize healthcare delivery, health, well-being, and fitness. My name is Jan Kaminski, and I'm the co-founder of AppLover, a company dedicated to improving the quality of life with IT solutions and digital advisory. We started making this podcast to amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. Our guest today is Alberto Condemeado, founder of Glucovibes. Hey, Alberto. Hi. How are you doing today, Jan? I'm great. As always in our podcast, we want to have we want to give our audience some 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 context to our guests. Maybe you can tell us, uh, or you can uh, talk about your early interest in technology and how it led you to the current role um, that you're currently holding. First of all, I need to say that uh, from a very early stage, uh, when I was a child, uh, I had uh, a, a quite uh, a big interest in how machine works and. Uh, my father was a lorry driver, so uh, for me, the best uh, vacation uh, possible was to go in the track with my dad and um, uh, traveling around Spain, in my case, but uh, most of all, deciding that uh, some kind of uh, failure happens in order to repair it and uh, to have grease in my hands and everything. So I think that childhood, let's say that uh, sent to me to the uh, technological part of my studies when I start studying engineering. And uh, after that, following uh, my father's lead, but in a different way, uh, I travel and I had uh, some experience in, in my first uh, uh, labor experience in Germany, working in the automotive industry. And uh, after that, I came to the to Spain to the Basque Country again, and I started my PhD period where I focused my learning on my interest on data analytics and artificial intelligence. And from that to do to do today, let's say that uh, it was a continuous learning process, uh, most of all focused on data on how data could improve industry in in my last, I would say, 50, 20 years. Uh, I'm today more focused in the health environment and lifestyle, let's say, uh, data analytics. When I was doing the research, uh, obviously I noticed that you've been a, a pioneer in the field of data analysis and predictive modeling. Can you share maybe some, pro- some key projects that you know, significantly contributed uh, to dispute? Um, I always say that um, I started working with big data when the data wasn't big <laughs> because we didn't have, uh, I mean, we didn't have a lot of data about the problems that we, we were trying to solve. Uh, my, my early studies were focused on the uh, railway and rolling stock uh, technology, so trains, uh, to be clear, uh, for the audience. So uh, I was focused, my, my PhD was focused on trying to solve uh, potential future failures of a train uh, before it happened. So uh, I was focused on trying to model in the normal behavior of different key parameters of a train, let's say temperatures, pressures, other kind of uh, physical variables, and try to predict uh, when a potential future failure could come 
and try to avoid it with a predictive, let's say, strategy. So this first study or years of work um, gave us a patent. So I patented a, a system uh, for trying to predict failures in a complex uh, machine environment. So this was my, let's say, first uh, rodeo in, in this uh, data analytics environment. What happened later? I mean, because obviously you didn't stay at the university. So uh, I was hired by, well, I need to say that uh, during my PhD period, I started, I founded uh, my first company, uh, which was uh, focused on the serious games and again, using data analytics in order to improve, in this case, uh, the learning process. And it was a company focused on learning by playing. And uh, it was like a hobby, let's say, and my my aim was to focus on that company once uh, my PhD was ended. But uh, I was hired by the company I was working for in my PhD as a, let's say maintenance manager or maintenance director of a trains uh, company, rolling steel company. So uh, I was there like uh, six months more or less. But I saw that it was very, very difficult to put in order and to start, uh, let's say, transforming cultures, people, everything in order to make things differently from a technological point of view. And my, I, I share my uh, thoughts and my resignation with my uh, superior in that case. And uh, the CEO of the company uh, told me what was in my mind. So. Uh, I told very honestly to them and I said, okay, I think that we could found another company just for this uh, topic and start working on predictive analytics, not just for trains, but for other kind of complex machine. And that was the beginning of my second company, which was uh, NEM uh, Solutions, a company that was focused on predictive analytics for trains and for uh, wind mines, wind turbines, because uh, wind turbine and a rolling on a train are in fact quite similar. They work with different kinds of uh, components and subsystems, but in the different order. One of them is extracting energy from a rotatory uh, movement, which is the wind turbine, and a train consumes energy in order to generate a rotatory movement for the wheels. So, well, that was in my mind, and uh, we start uh, working. Uh, internationally from the beginning and uh, we, we we did uh, a very quick uh, growth and uh, in, in, in six to seven years we were up to five million dollars of uh, revenues with uh, customers in the five continents and uh, I was there uh, for 10 years it was like a, a, a complete decade and uh, I, I, I finally I quit the company when the company was sold to uh, wind, uh, wind turbine manufacturer, Siemens Gamesa. And um, at that point, Siemens Gamesa owned the 50% and the other 50% was from CAF, a rolling stock manufacturer. So I left the company with 60 people and uh, more than 6 million uh, of euros in revenues. So yeah, that was my adventure in the 
let's say, artificial intelligence applied to complex machines. But when that moment happened that you uh, were driven to finding founding your your own company, because as you mentioned, you you worked for for those that you worked for a few before. Some of them scaled up. Some of them some some of them didn't. But what was the main incentive? How did it you know how did it happen? Yeah. Uh, during uh, at the end of my PhD, uh, I was uh, I was detected with uh, a chronic illness, uh, which is uh, ankylopoietic spondylitis. It's like uh, it's an autoimmune uh, disease. It's an autoimmune illness, and um, in my case, it's like uh, continuous inflammation in my sacroiliacal uh, articulations, and it uh, generates uh, rigidity. Uh, let's say stiffness. In, my, in some of my movements, most of all in the hips, in my case. At the beginning, uh, I didn't give it a lot of, uh, let's say, importance. I mean, it was uh, a treatment, some medication, some drugs, that's a pills that they need to take uh, every day. And uh, I, I was quite a sportive guy. And um, yeah, I changed uh, a lot of my, uh, my routines. I mean... Um, I, I could be running like uh, 70, 80 kilometers per week because I was uh, in the triathlon wall. And uh, after this illness, I mean, uh, even uh, I, I couldn't even walk in some days. Okay. So it was a quite uh, tough moment in my life, a very emotional one, because it was like uh, the end of the world for me. And uh, I put my, my, my focus on my work and uh, working on this company and then trying to put it in, the, in, in a good place in the market. I, I learned a lot with it. And, uh, and then I became father. And, and my illness uh, could be hereditary. So that was the game changer in my mind. So I started uh, telling to me every night, that uh, I needed to try to find something in order at least to leave it this legacy for my children in order to, okay, I mean, I have this disease, okay, it's a very rare disease, but um, I'm sure that maybe uh, with my humble capacity in, in the data analytics, uh, I can start recording all my data, um, nutrition, sleep behavior, activity, and everything, I try to see if there is something that uh, I can match together with my stiffness, with my mobility reduction, with my pain, everything. And at the end, uh, I said, okay, the, the unique way to do that is to put all my effort here. And that was the final decision to give the transition to found my own company. I'm focused on... On, on, on health uh, and, and, and yeah that was the game changer moment in my life okay so very very personal motivation but like since we are at it um, so what is glucovibes essentially I mean glucovibes is uh, I will tell you uh, or I will tell you how uh, glucovibes uh, born because I think that it's um it's a very egoistic uh, film. It's, it's my movie, let's say that way. And uh, I need to say that way because it's uh, the reality. But mm -hmm. at the same way, it's, it's a tool to, to offer to, to the society, a way to understand how they are 
performing with themselves in the in their lifestyles. Okay, so most of all, as I said, I was recording all the information about nutrition, activity, and uh, recovery or sleeping, uh, let's say, behavior of my life. But I didn't have any kind of continuous um, biomarker or physiological balance. Okay, so uh, I could have some. A blood test, but you didn't do a blood test hourly or daily. So you can, you could have one each couple of months, for example. And it was very difficult to measure from a, I am an engineer, okay? So from a PhD, from an an engineer point of view, it's very difficult to measure something and to extract conclusions with scientific rigor, okay? Uh, Without something to measure them. So I found uh, the glucose, uh, the continuous glucose monitoring devices, and I tried a couple of uh, them in order to uh, try to understand which was the relationship between metabolism, all my recording data, and this physiological value which was the glucose level as a continuous uh, variable. And I start finding very key aspects of, in my life that I thought that was that they were healthy but uh, I tried uh, different kind of things and uh, I detected that they weren't so healthy as I thought okay so my my wife is a biochemistry okay so um, she helped me a lot in, in this uh, uh, emotional history because it's as well is the her history uh, for sure and um, I went as well through a superior studies in Stanford Medicine University of Nutrition Science in order to complete my postdoctoral, uh, let's say, learning process. So after that, um, I see, I saw uh, that uh, it was a lack of tools in order to put together all the data that we are generating in, with our lifestyle, okay? What we eat, what we move, what we rest. and Together with that, to have some physical variables in order to measure the impact of our lifestyle in our metabolism, okay? So this is how glucovibes uh, happens, let's say that way. And uh, what we try to do is a metabolic GPS for everyone, a, a way to tell you where are you from your, from a, a, let's say, a, uh, healthy lifestyle uh, point of view, where are you? And you can tell us where do you want to go from that perspective and our GPS gives you the best way to reach your goal with, uh, let's say, natural behavior, understanding a precision nutrition strategy uh, in order to help you achieving your goals. So it's a way to understand yourself internally understand how your body works and how your metabolism works. And we put some continuous physiological variables working for you, okay? Putting in context all the lifestyle data that uh, we are collecting from our users because we are integrated with different kinds of devices like smart rings, smart watches, um, bracelets, the the phone which uh, have has a lot of information from our lifestyle we have our own nutrition database ultra tagged with a lot of attributes 
to understand the micronutrients and the macronutrients uh, balance in the life of, of our uh, customers. So the thing is to put all the lifestyle information together and a measurement tool in order to extract conclusions to put in your hands, let's say, precision nutrition strategies. How do you integrate uh, new technologies and biosense? I mean, because these are biosensors, right? Or yeah. sense of some sort. Okay, so how do those biosensors uh, A, contribute to understanding the metabolism? That's my first question. And um, in what ways can those real-time monitoring of parameters like glucose impact uh, you know, impacts the management of health conditions? First of all, um, these CGM devices, these biosensors, um, came to market in order to solve a, a real problem in the diabetes world, okay, in order to allow uh, people with uh, diabetes managing better their, their disease, their illness, okay, the daily uh, routines in order to check the glucose levels avoid the finger trips, okay, and um, make it in a more uh, continuous way without pain. And uh, it, it, I think that is a very, a very big uh, innovation. The thing is that uh, glucose level uh, is uh, something uh, useful for a lot of things, not just for diabetic uh, or diabetes or people with diabetes. So why? Uh, the thing is that uh, glucose is our main source of energy, but each time we are not eating, uh, we are putting glucose in our booth uh, stream uh, each 15 minutes or if 20 minutes. We used to take uh, from, I don't know, three to five uh, meals per day. And those meals are the moments where we are introducing uh, glucose together with other kind of macronutrients like proteins and, and, and fats. Most of all glucose comes from carbohydrates, okay? So um, the thing is that each time we are consuming a meal, our metabolism needs to uh, absorb these uh, macronutrients, okay? Uh, and uh, to put it in the in, in, in your blood vessels. But our body cannot uh, work with high amounts of uh, sugar or let's say glucose uh, concentration permanently. So we have another hormone, which is the insulin, which is the one to, uh, the, 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 let's say the focus of the insulin is to guarantee uh, continuous glucose levels or lower glucose levels in the growth stream. And the, of those uh, glucose peaks is moving to the liver where it is uh where the glucose uh, or the i would say again the glucose is becoming uh glycogen okay uh, we have a little glycogen storage capacity in the liver and in the muscles so all the rest of the glucose we are putting that cannot be converted in glycogen because we don't have more uh, storage in your body uh, it's converting in, it's becoming fat and we have more space to storage fat. This is a, a, a non-stop storage uh, for fat. So this is uh, something key because it's the simplest way of how uh, glucose, fat, and metabolism are related uh, and uh, understanding 
the the glucose peaks that we are experimenting each uh, after each meal and the glucose levels uh, during the day, we can understand if uh, our uh, metabolism is uh, using properly those glucose levels. If we are uh, gaining fat because our peaks are very, very high and we are generating big amounts of insulin in order to, uh, let's say, storage this extra glucose that we are putting in our body. And if we put this together with the activity, okay, we can understand if all that uh, what we are eating, uh, it's uh, burning or not. So if we have uh, continuous uh, glucose monitoring, we can understand how our liver well is uh, putting glycogen in the bloodstream when we are exercising ourselves, okay? So we can analyze as well how the nutrition uh, strategy and how the feeding strategy is uh, related to the activity. So this is how uh, understanding glucose levels could help us understanding a little bit more how our metabolism is working because each one of us is different. And I could take a banana and my, my blue glucose could have a very big spike but maybe you, Jan, you can have a banana and you could be quite stable. There are a lot of factors um, in context there. One of them is the, is the metabolism itself. The other one is how your uh, muscles or your mitochondria is managing this energy. And um, this is what we are trying to understand individually for each person, a way to, uh, to, 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 to teach them uh, how the metabolism is working and uh, how the different kind of hormones are uh, balancing the body. Because if we have big amount of uh, glucose spikes, we probably will have as well big amount of insulin in our body. If we have big amounts of insulin, even in a, a, in a let's say, stationary moment, our body probably will burn less fat and we could have more tendency to uh, overweight. So there are a lot of hormones working together. And yeah, we, we can monitor the glucose uh, right now uh, with our, uh, let's say, uh, service. But this is something that uh, we are trying to, to improve. And uh, this is the way we are integrating through APIs, other kind of devices like Garmin, Apple Watch, and all this information you, you know, in order to put it together and uh, cross the different kind of variables. As I understand, so it's for everyone, but it's also for athletes, for example. Yeah, I mean, we have different kind of verticals. Um, we have uh, people that uh, just want to understand their metabolism, have a healthier lifespan. And uh, yeah, it's not about, let's say, longevity from uh, more years to live, but the quality of those years. So there are a lot of, of customers that uh, are focused on uh, being healthier and understand better how are they performing every day. So maybe some of them, they had a wage management uh, problem or goal. Uh, other could have uh, internal interest in understanding the body, let's say well-being and a healthier lifestyle. And on the other hand, we could have, uh, let's say, more 
focused people on performance, for example, or elite athletes, or or even amateurs. Like uh, it could be myself. I mean, I I I, I, I perform a lot uh, of sports, and uh, I like to be, let's say, competitive. Okay, so um, this way we are more focused on quality strategies in order to ensure that uh, our customers or clients um, have the uh, specific core levels of uh, who goes in each moment uh, or in each moment of their activity. Because there is a very different way to consume glucose depending on the intensity of the, of the activity. So at low intensities, probably uh, an athlete is consuming uh, more uh, fats than more fat than glucose, but at the time that you are increasing intensity and the heart rate goes up, okay, glucose uh, as well uh, should be uh, going up in the in the bloodstream. So there are some relationships that we are acquiring and we are modeling uh, our athletes. Let's say that way in order to ensure the best fueling strategy not just in amount of uh, carbohydrates or uh, energy source, but the frequency of, uh, let's say, meals during the activity, the previous uh, meal, the post meal. So there are a lot of things that uh, could help a lot to an athlete, not just to perform better, but to recover better. Uh, when I was reading over the, the, the website and, and checking the app, I mean, I saw that you also talk a lot about AI there. And could you provide provide some examples of how artificial intelligence is utilized in the personalized treatments offered by Glucovibes? And in general, yeah. how the, does AI enhance the effectiveness of these treatments? So um, I will say that we have different kind of uh, AI levels, okay? So first of all, um, the more, let's say, or the simplest one could be the, the algorithms that we are using in order to cluster all of our clients, all the information we have, and we have a metabolic database with more, with more than 600,000 hours of uh, data of different kind of clients. If we put everything together, they are a big amount of data. So the thing is that we need to cluster uh, this data uh, to extract conclusions and maybe to generate, as we tell, uh, archetypes of, uh, of uh, human beings, let's say the way, okay? Um, the, the precision comes with uh, other kind of algorithms where inside each cluster we can uh, define different kind of strategies in order to see, okay, this kind of cluster of this kind of metabolism uh, show, shows uh, more, let's say, absorption to this kind of carbohydrates of this kind of food should be better than this other one. So we can start making uh, the precision strategy thanks to this, uh, let's say, first uh, calibration or clustering process, okay? Another one, which is more complex, um, is to start focusing on nutrition, a precision nutrition strategy focused on all the attributes and tags that we have in the, in the database. We have our own nutrition database and each item uh, has like uh, from 50 to 60 tags, okay, or attributes. So we use these attributes in order to uh, try to cross technological, a technological process 
in order to automate in, in, in a big part all the, uh, let's say, receipt creations or receipt uh, generations for different kind of uh, clients. Up to date, I need to say that we are reviewing everything from a, a, from a nutrition and scientific uh, team, but the aim for the next year is to have this process uh, completely uh, automated thanks to the artificial intelligence. And with like one one thing uh, interests me uh, very much because you started with that personal story, this personal angle of of of, your, of the of the disease, right? In the, in a more general way. So how does Glucovibes contribute to the prevention of diseases? The prevention, obviously, and the promotion of overall wellness. I mean, are there any specific strategies or initiatives that you focus on preventive care? My my disease, in this case, is an itm uh, disease, so it's not something that uh, you could prevent. I mean, it, it comes with my genetic, uh, let's say, uh, uh, pattern. But um, there is um, there is a study, I don't remember which was the university which uh, did it uh, right now, but it was like uh, the 20% of our, let's say, Future metabolism is not genetic uh, pattern. Okay, this is something that we cannot change. A ten percent more is focused on the environment where you where we live. So I mean, if uh, we are exposed to a very toxic environment or in a big uh, city with uh, pollution, or probably we could have a ten percent more of probability to experiment, uh, let's say, chronic disease in our 60s, 70s, or even earlier, depending the depending the, the, the situation. But the 70% that is the, that the rest, uh, if we live in one hand, the genetic and the environmental aspects, it's our lifestyle. So depending, uh, the, the three pillars are nutrition, activity, and sleep or recovery. So depending those three, uh, we have 70% of our health span, okay, for, for, life, for uh, let's say, second part of the life. So let's say the way. In my case, um, I, I, I achieve a very good balance between uh, these kind of uh, tools and my lifestyle. And uh, I learned which kind of uh, nutrition strategies is better for me, activity, sleeping strategies. So uh, currently, today, I am not taking any kind of pills, drugs, every, anything I mean, I, for, my, for my illness. So I'm doing a complete normal life. And um, it is thanks to understand how my body works internally. I used to take uh, a big amount of carbohydrates for breakfast, for example, in my, let's say, uh, 50, 20 years ago. Uh, as I said, I was, uh, I am a very sportive guy. And I thought that uh, the, the big amount of carbohydrates were a necessity, um, no matter the source. And this is something that I found that uh, didn't very well for, for my uh, condition. I mean, Carbohydrates are, are a, a necessity for myself because I am consuming a lot of carbohydrates per day, but not all the carbohydrates affects uh, in the same way uh, to my metabolism. So these kind of tools 
uh, allows uh, allow me to understand which kind of breakfast could be better than other. Uh, something that I try to avoid is uh, added sugar or the uh, sugars that we can find in cereals, snacks bars, this kind of hidden sugar, so let's say that well, which uh, in my case has been very refinated sugars, are not very, very good to my metabolism. I'm experimenting very big peaks, glucose peaks, um, after having these kind of meals. Instead, if I take another you know, kind of... Uh, more natural foods like fruits or some kind of fruits or um, oats or other kind of um, homemade, uh, let's say, uh, natural food, I am experimenting much lower peaks. So I know that with lower peaks, I have a, a less inflammation in my body as well. And as I said, my condition is a inflammation problem which is an autoimmune uh, uh, illness, which uh, inflammates my, some of my articulations in, in the body. So if um, I maintain a lower uh, glucose peaks after each meal, I mean, I have uh, uh, less necessity of this kind of uh, anti-inflammatory pills and drugs. So this is my case. But if we focus in other kind of... Uh, problems such as overweight, obesity, diabetes, with diabetes type 2, that they are very related, the three of them. Um, the problem is the same. If we are eating uh, big amounts of carbohydrates or most of all refinated uh, carbohydrate or ultra-processed food with uh, uh, trans fat together with uh, added sugar, so we have the perfect storm because probably uh, we will be experimenting high glucose peaks. This demands high needed necessity or high needs of uh, insulin in our body. And probably uh, we will be, extro um, let's say, we probably could be uh, storing a lot of fat. And uh, as we had high levels of insulin at the same time, we could have very big uh, problems to uh, burn uh, this fat that we are uh, um, saving. So this process repeated every day, in every meal, in every week, in every year, 20 years later or 10 years later, could be uh, obesity problem, could be a diabetes type 2 problem, or even could be a cancer, okay? Because uh, it's a way to, let's say, destroy the ability of our uh, hormones to keep our body in balance. So we are, we have uh, people uh, that um, come to us uh, because uh, they experiment in different kind of uh, uh, feelings during the night or during the day, and uh, we check that they are experimenting some insulin resistance due to the lifestyle that they are, uh, they are. Uh, let's say, consuming, if I can use this word, for lifestyle. So these are uh, the relationships between uh, what we are doing and this kind of uh, chronic disease that they are uh, growing uh, in a big amount uh, each year. Nutrition is one thing, but sport is the other. And I know, you, I know you've been, uh, you've been a very uh, active amateur athlete 
in a sense, mainly endurance sport, right? Mainly long distance. Could you could you talk about obviously your passion for long distance sport? But what interests me the most uh, is how it intersects with your professional life and the company you're running right now. Mm -hmm. I will start for the for the for the last part. Okay, um, working together in the environment that you that you feel as your patient is uh, let's say the best way to wake up in the morning because you don't you don't know if it's monday tuesday or saturday or sunday so it's uh, i mean a way to to live uh, work in something you love and uh, as i said uh, i had as well this emotional uh, link together with uh, my, my my kids so it's an extra it's an extra boost for 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 waking every day right and, and put uh, all my efforts in, in this. Um, together with the, some routines, for example, in order to understand how, how I managing everything, I used to wake up quite early, 5 a.m. most of all. Um, I try to work out, uh, depending the day, um, I used to go for a run or, to, or for a ride in my bicycle in summer, in winter. As uh, we live in the Basque country and there is quite rainy area, I have a smart bike, uh, indoor yeah. cycling, let's say, and 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 I, well, so uh, I mean, there is a way to 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 exercise for those uh, endurance uh, activities I do, and I used to have uh, from two to three or four sessions of uh, weightlifting as well uh, per week because the the the, the muscles need to be stressed not just in an uh, uh, aerobic way. And uh, weightlifting is a very powerful tool for metabolism as well, okay? Because together with the nutrition that you mentioned before at the first part of, the, of this question, uh, I would say that uh, the endurance sport of the more aerobical activity could improve the number of mitochondria that we could develop in our muscles, okay? And mitochondria is the, is the place where the energy, uh, uh, where our body uh, generates energy from the, from the fats and the, from the glucose that we uh, have storage in, the, in muscles and in the liver. But the way to make those mitochondria growing is through, uh, let's say, weight lifting and this kind of more intense uh, effort so this is a uh, different kind of uh, as i said running cycling swimming uh, i came from the triathlon as i said and uh, weight lifting uh, and together uh, with uh, working with the family or having different kind of uh, uh, football or i mean uh, the thing is to keep uh, yourself uh, active and moving but and, you said but you said you were running uh, 80 kilometers per week uh, in your prime. Yeah, but I mean, long ago, oh, long ago, I mean, currently uh, running, I will check. Let me, I will tell you. What was it? Last week. That's last week, there were 32 kilometers last week. 32 okay. in, two, in, two, in two sessions. 
but back to the achievement like what's your what, what what's the achievement you're most proud of from the you know in, in the sports area uh i will say that um when when the doctor told me that i had this chronic illness uh, he told me to start or uh, to stop uh, running to forget your, myself from a triathlon these kind of things and i had in my mind uh the ironman as a as a let's say achievement right so at the beginning i forgot i forgot uh this dream but um it was in i think that is quite uh see no six no more seven eight years ago so i started thinking okay i will do it but i want to do it in a let's say in a very special way i am not uh let's say in, in engagement myself or engaging myself in a race with uh, more people i don't know the ironman of hawaii or the ironman of wherever no i want to run my own ironman with carrying with my meals with my food with my picture uh, repair uh, everything okay as a let's say alberto uh, against the world so me against me Okay, in order to understand that, so I, I took uh, some time in order to define a quite uh, um, aggressive, uh, let's say, ride. And I have to. Uh, I live in San Sebastian, which we have uh, uh, the sea in, in in the city. So it was quite easy uh, to go to the sea and, and swim and to define three thousand and six hundred meters for the swimming part. I draw. Uh, ride uh, for the bicycle with the climbs that uh, I I like it the most around uh, 80 kilometers of uh, my, my my city so to define the 180 kilometers and I ended defining a marathon in, in two laps close to to my to my home so it was a very very uh, good way to achieve a dream because it was like a, it's not the Ironman of whatever so it was my definition of Ironman I define the track I define the uh, schedule I define everything and it has from my perspective uh, an endurance uh, concept because it was each time I mean the transition area it was my house I was at home after nice. swimming after riding so it was very, very uh, easy to be okay. That's enough so far, and tomorrow I will end. No, it was being at home and okay. Now to the bicycle, go ahead. So that I would say that I'm quite proud of that. Uh, let's say experience. But uh, in this year, I went through from my uh, from San Sebastian to the. Um, which is an area in the Catalonian Pyrenees. There are almost 400 uh, kilometers, something less, crossing all the big mountains of the France Pyrenees, like Ovix, uh, Tourmalet, Spain, Sur. So I did it in two days on my bike, uh, as well in uh, autosufficiency, or uh, let's say just myself. And it, it is a very good way to connect with my body and I like this kind of, uh, let's say, endurance uh, situations. 
uh, you yeah. know different kind of places, different kind of people. You know yourself a lot, and uh, you have a lot of time to thought and to think uh, in different kind of. Uh, I love that. Yeah, you're your own Iron Man. I, I I like it very much, to be honest. But I have a I have also have a question about the nicknames. You've been called the the Doctor of Machines as well. I mean, I wanted to explore your personal life a little bit. So you've been called the Doctor of Machines. Like, what, what, what's the what's the story behind it? Yeah, that was one journalist uh, a long time ago when I was focused my career in this, uh, as I said, in this patent, in this patent, focusing data analytics and artificial intelligence to predict the failures of the machines. And I, I, I told him in an interview that I was following the vital constants of the machines, that I was trying to simulate an artificial uh, immune system for a machine. So I think that you know how journalists work. So uh, this one was a very clever man. And uh, he thought that uh, putting uh, as a title uh, Alberto Conde Mayal, the doc, machine doctor of machine or machine doctor. I don't remember very well what, how was the huh. the highlights, but uh, yeah, it was the that was the, the let's say the the, the history of this uh, nickname. I want also, I mean, I want to ask you about your plans. Like, what's the what's the future of Lucavibes and what what are your plans uh, in general? Good question. I mean, uh, I would like to. Help them, the, the 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 bigger or the biggest number of people possible for the next years. So always from a very uh, scientific point of view. I mean, I don't like this kind of uh, Instagram accounts or influencers telling the people who or what they need to eat or what they need to perform on how to sleep or not, just because the, it works with them. I mean. I think that uh, this is a very serious topic and we need to put a lot of science behind that. And science and uh, this kind of uh, services, which are quite innovative, uh, it's not a quick uh, race. It's, uh, it's like a marathon. So you need to think in, in, in the long term and uh, put steps in different kind of, in the next kilometers. And... Um, uh, I like a lot, uh, I think it was Bill Gates uh, who said that um, we, we tend to overestimate what we can achieve in one year, but sometimes we underestimate what we can achieve in 10. So I focused on that. So trying to, to be realistic, uh, of course, we want to grow uh, and to grow internationally. Uh, we need to put... Uh, more effort in sales, we need to put efforts in marketing, and most of all, we are putting efforts on, on science and evidences, okay? So I enjoy a lot uh, learning every day, and this is the focus I would like to put. Uh, in, in, I see the glucobite's future as a clinical research in order to avoid uh, uh, diseases, not to treat them, okay? So this is my perspective of health uh, 4.0, Okay, it's uh, the way to prevent uh, what currently is happening in the world, which uh, a lot of uh, problems are happening uh, at early stages, and most of all in children, even under 18, 
years experimenting diabetes type 2. And in Spain, we have uh, more than 30% of obesity problems in, in, in children under 18 uh, years old, which is, I think, the third country in Europe with this problem. So I would like to have some kind of legacy in this kind of uh, uh, improvement of the society. But it's not an easy, uh, let's say, uh, way. But uh, yeah, that's uh, my dream. That's a, that's a great perspective. Uh, and we obviously wish you all the best, Alberto. Thank you. Thank you for joining today and for sharing your experience and then your story. It's quite inspirational. My pleasure again. Stay in touch with us. Subscribe to our podcast. Give us a like, comment or share. If you want to reach out personally, you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram.